Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, you'll hear from a pharmacist who is educating others on the appropriate use of fentanyl. Okay, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Rebecca Van Fleck DeMoss. She is a PharmD and has uh, been on a mission to spread vital information regarding the inappropriate prescribing of transdermal fentanyl. She's given her presentation to local pharmacy chapters, as well as through the nationwide ACPE provided by FreeCE.com. Rebecca graduated from the University of New Mexico College of Pharmacy in 2014 and completed a partial residency at the Raymond G. Murphy VA Hospital. During her residency, she realized that hospital pharmacy was not for her, and she left and started her position um, and now in her current career as a long-term care pharmacist with Pharmerica Pharmacy. Rebecca, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Well, thank you so much. I am so honored and so excited to be here. Like you said, I have this mission, I have this passion, and I am just so, so happy to be sharing this with you today. Well, awesome. We're glad to to learn more. And now that our listeners have heard just a little bit about your background, maybe you could fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Well, I think in terms of personal life, I just want to give a shout out to my amazing husband, who is um, just a rock in my life and lets me kind of go wherever life takes me. And this fentanyl mission and coming back to the pharmacy school, um, it's really been a blessing. And I know he's been super supportive. Um, And speaking of the pharmacy school, I just made adjunct associative professor this past month. So that is extremely exciting. I've been volunteering for the past year and we just made that position official. Awesome. I'm I'm just really finding this place in my life where I'm able to give back my time to the college. Um, I may not be able to give financially, but it is something to be able to work with the students, be a preceptor in any capacity. So it's been, it's been a great, great time working with the college. Absolutely. And so is that with the, with your alma mater, the University of New Mexico exactly. College of Pharmacy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. And it's- so... Yeah, I just, I have a unique schedule. Um, So in the mornings, I'm really able to donate a lot of my time. So I became a preceptor. Um, We do this amazing day called the Outreach Day, where the whole health sciences shuts down. And um, the pharmacy students, medical nursing students, they all have different areas within New Mexico. We tried to not just include Albuquerque, which is one of the main cities, but go throughout the whole state of New Mexico. So it's been a great um, multidisciplinary approach um, to community service. Um, and it's been great to watch that kind of thrive and and be a preceptor as well. Awesome. Yeah, that reminds me of something that that Ascension does. Um, that's a 
uh, hospital system. Um, they've got hospitals in, in multiple states across the country, but um, their hospital here in Nashville, um, St. Thomas Health, started um, medical missions at home at, mm. about 10 years ago. And what that is, is they host a day of healing where they provide free health care to anyone in the community. They've got um, even dental. They've got um, doctors doing doing visits, uh, writing prescriptions, and even a pharmacy is set up. And um, most of the medications are available through Dispensary of Hope, um, wow. where I work. And uh, so it's a really neat concept. And they have, have replicated that out to several of their other hospitals. Um, so it's a great way of of yeah, giving back and yeah. um, you know helping people in the community uh, to get access to healthcare um, when they might have have, have otherwise uh, gone without, and introduce them to some of the, the charitable pharmacy services. So yeah. um, that is they really can cool to get their medicine. Absolutely. Um, so Rebecca, we want to talk a little bit more about kind of this, uh, passion that you have around fentanyl. And, um, so the opioid epidemic has been plaguing the U S for a while now. And I'm sure everyone has probably seen, um, the pharmacist, the series on Netflix. Yes. Um, I cried. I cried at that show. It was an amazing testament to what pharmacists can do and how we can make a difference. So if if anyone's listening right now <laughs> and have not had the opportunity, I highly recommend it. It's truly a, a testament. It yeah, it's a great it's it's a really great um it's only four episodes, um, but great to show um, you know, yeah, exactly what a pharmacist can do to help curb, um, the epidemic. And, you know, there's other, other books out there. I really enjoyed Dreamland by yes. Sam Quinones. That's on my um, to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it talks about it. Their focus is, is not in kind of the New Orleans outskirts like the pharmacist was, but more in Portsmouth, Ohio. And then even talking about how, um, heroin, uh, was, is being brought up from Mex- Nayarit, Mexico and kind of how that got, um, I guess more infiltrated in, in these like kind of cells or pockets mm-hmm. throughout the country. Um, and now, um, of course, since we have cracked down on opioids and mm-hmm. um, we're seeing um, increases in other uh, substances and, and things and, you know, fentanyl has def- definitely been on the rise, but um, tell us a little bit more about kind of how your story with how you, uh, became passionate about, um, fentanyl prescribing. Yeah. So it all began in, um, 2018. The, we, as the long-term care pharmacy, we started seeing a rise of inappropriate fentanyl prescriptions. And here in, um, New Mexico, we have a, um, opiate per, prescription monitoring program. I know it's starting to become a lot more um, utilized in more states, 
but unfortunately, long-term care is exempt versus hmm. you go to a Walgreens or a CVS, most of them are actually embedded in the order entry or processing screen where it comes up with the MME or it comes up with the benzodiazepine usage. So in long-term care, unfortunately, it is exempt. But what my coworkers and I have started doing during that specific year um, was running the PMP to kind of gain um, an idea on if they were even a candidate. And unfortunately, what we saw during that year was about nine different patients were completely not candidates. They were opiate naive. So if dispensed, would have ended in a patient death. And one particular story truly resonates with me. And he was the patient that kind of started it all, if you will. Um, He was an 88-year-old patient uh, in an assisted living facility. And he unfortunately fell and sustained multiple rib fractures um, when he fell in his oxygen tank. And when he was in the emergency room, the hospital gave him two IV pushes of um, fentanyl, IV fentanyl. And then they decided to discharge him with a 25 microgram fentanyl patch. Well, when that prescription came over, I remember it just like it was yesterday. I had filled it and we do a dual check system with another pharmacist. So I gave him the, I gave my pharmacist the prescription for him to double check. And I just sat there and I'm like, you know what? Something feels off. So I ran the prescription monitoring program report. And what do you know? He was completely opiate naive. He hadn't filled an opiate in over a year. And that my heart just sank. Because being in an assisted living, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that setting, but there's rarely a nurse. um, And in terms of checks, they're kind of like independent living. So if that patch was dispensed and put on the patient, he most certainly would have have passed away. Hmm. So in response, I called the physician. And this is kind of where this educational presentation started in terms of inappropriate prescribing because this physician hit the inappropriate prescribing on every single level. So his response was, well, he's not opiate tolerant because he received the two doses of IV push fentanyl, which is really incorrect. Um, There has no dose conversion currently accepted from an IV push to the transdermal system. Because the transdermal is so potent versus the immediate release of the intravenous solution. So there is no acceptable conversion, um, which I suggested to him, that utilizing the patch after the IV push doses almost always ends in a fatality. And he said, well, you know, it doesn't matter because the patient has allergies to codeine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I said, do you mind if I just put you on a quick hold? I had the nurse on the other line while I verified the codeine allergy. And what do you know? The patient just sustained an upset stomach from some hydrocodone that he took when he was younger. Mm-hmm. So that kind of highlights the inappropriate prescribing of IV push fentanyl to transdermal, which is inappropriate. It also highlights the importance of verifying allergies. Because if a patient does have a coding allergy, I completely understand how it pushes physicians into thinking, well, what are the only other options? And if you look at the dosings, the, not the dosing structures, but the actual structures of opiates, if you have a coding allergy, there goes almost all the opiates on the market. And really, the only ones that you could prescribe are fentanyl, tramadol, nucinta, um, and demerol. 
And so if you think about Demerol, that no one really wants to use that because of the nasty side effects. Tramadol is not that very potent when you're looking at multiple rib fractures. And if you look at fentanyl, well, it comes in a transdermal patch. Heck yeah, right? Um, so in response to that patient, um, because it was so, um, to me, it was earth shattering that I was that close to dispensing something that would have killed um, that individual. And because of those numerous errors within that one interaction, and then monitoring the other um, potential, the other fentanyl inappropriate prescriptions that we caught that same year, I made that educational presentation. Um, and the first time I presented it was at the New Mexico Pharmacists Association. Um, and it was, I got amazing, amazing feedback. So then I just kept asking people if they were interested in hearing my story and um, learning more about the um, how to appropriately manage transdermal fentanyl. Because since there were so many that year, I just kind of sat back and I wondered, what the heck? You know, I asked myself, what is the missing piece? Uh, and between my coworkers and myself, we kind of decided that it was education. And whenever I had the opportunity, and I encouraged all of my coworkers as well, and it was great to see them kind of join this mission with me, um, that any time that we had an inappropriate prescription, we would take the time and talk to the physician. We would talk to them about the appropriate starting criteria in terms of MMEs. We would talk about the coding allergies, um, if they were hospice. And amazingly, our so that was 2018. Now, 2019 to 2020, we have had maybe one inappropriate prescription. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 Drug Disposal of Controlled Substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. So it's been yeah, amazing to see the the amount of effect and change we can have. Yeah. Wow. That's, it's amazing. Um, your testament, uh, we were talking about the, the opioid epidemic earlier. And I love that usually there's some kind of personal story involved with these and that, you know, you actually took that extra step to follow up and reach out to the physician and the nurse and, and verify, you know, their treatment, their, their previous treatment to see if they were really naive to the therapy and their, their allergies. So Rebecca, um, you mentioned that, you know, you've been kind of on an educational mission and, and you've been able to work with a lot of, or, or put this into a presentation for pharmacists and, you know, shared it in a, a several venues in that sense. I love that you're not start stopping with pharmacists, that you're also going to the physicians. Do you see any opportunities for 
you know, I know those one-on-one interactions are so helpful. Are, are there any other ways that we can, you know, work to, to make those links to the physician community that, that you've seen? Well, unfortunately, I have hit a few walls, per se. Um, getting medical education or an accredited educate medical CME is mm-hmm. proving to be extremely difficult. So um, I, I like to quote, I don't know if you've seen Zootopia, but there was this quote of, I just don't know when to quit. <laughs> so in response to that, I have found ways of educating physicians via ACPE. So one of the um, ways that I have found extremely helpful is blogs um, and then podcasts like yourself. And if the physician is interested, I utilize those avenues um, and it has actually been very helpful. So I wrote a blog um, with the TLDR Pharmacy Simplified. Um, if anyone is interested about this topic, it's, it's titled What Every Pharmacist Should Know About Transdermal Fentanyl. And so when I am presented with this opportunity to further educate, I always highlight or send them the copy of my blog. So when, if someone is interested in creating a CE, um, my, my recommendation is if you have something that is pulling at you and you want to educate and you want to kind of follow what I've been doing, A, never stop asking Um, You never know who's willing to listen and then seek other alternative avenues such as the blogs and the podcasts. Um, Freece.com is amazing. I literally one day was just looking through um, ways of, you know, increasing my word and and getting my presentation out there. I, you go onto their contact and you email them. And the next day I had someone from their education committee reaching out to me. So they're always looking for new topics and new ideas and new speakers. Um, So I think the biggest thing that individuals who are wanting to educate might be thinking is that their topic is not important or, you know, who am I? I am, I'm not important. I'm just a retail pharmacist, but I was once just a long-term care pharmacist. And now here I am. I have two educational presentations on freece.com. I've written a blog. Um, This is my first podcast, but I have a few more lined up. I'm working with UNM as a professor. So I think that's my biggest um, recommendation is you can do it. Anyone can do it. And I encourage you guys to as well. Yeah. Well, I I think that perseverance is, is important. And, you know, pharmacy school, of course, is tough and we, we all have to persevere through that. Yeah. But to be able to get to where you want to, you know, what were your goal, your career goals or your things and that you wanted to do. And, and clearly if you find a passion, um, or if someone finds a passion and, you know, you know that you love educating or you want to, you know, maybe you just want to start with that topic. It might lead to some other things, but, you know, clearly you're, you've kind of found something that you're enjoying and are making the most of how, how to, yeah, you said you volunteered at the school before. So, um, you've got to kind of make those, 
those opportunities happen for yourself. Um, they're not always just going to be exactly presented and, for you. And that's what I was just going to say is you can make your own opportunities, but at the same time, don't shut those doors to past opportunities. I, I kind of feel like there's this, this interesting balance of asking questions and asking mentors and you never know where that's going to lead. Um, but also to not shut those doors from the the school. Um, you know, I, I would hope that just like my alma mater, UNM, you know, they're always asking for preceptors and people to come back to the school and um, they're, they're always a great resource. Absolutely. So Rebecca, just to kind of get back to like a very kind of more detailed um, question. So how, how would you, I, I love that it was easy to, you know, work with freece.com. How did you go about creating your CE program um, or your, your document? We'd love to hear more about kind of what that process was. And then, you know, maybe people that have never written a blog, they might want to well, start one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I had a very unique situation because I had such a perfect patient case, it made it um, just really fall into a great presentation. Um, and if anyone is interested, I there are a few more presentation air dates on freece.com. But once you find that passion or that topic, um, I recommend, of course, seeking the scholarly articles or seeking people who are smarter than you, as I would say. Um, and I found this amazing book. It's um, the it's written by Dr. Mary Lynn McPherson. It's called Demystifying Opioid Conversions and Calculations. So once I found that book, it, and then there's two different um, volumes. The second edition is just as great as the first. But she really helped me um, kind of formulate and get all the the information, the science, the conversions. Um, so kind of utilizing that and the patient case, it really made it uh, a pretty easy process. My other presentation is regarding clostridium dis, um, clostridium clostridioides difficile. Excuse me, it changed its name. <laughs> um, so we talked about the clostridioides difficile infection specifically in long-term care. And Free CE actually reached out to me to help write that presentation through a Merck grant. So that one was a little bit more difficult. But once again, they wanted a patient journey. And because I had access to the nurses, I was able to talk to a few different and um, create a patient case. So what I feel is the best, well, not the best, excuse me, an, an easier, and I'm not even sure easy is the right term, but a great way to start a presentation is around a patient case. When you bring realistic examples to an educational platform, it makes it more real. It brings that human component, which sometimes, you know, if you remember in pharmacy school, you're learning about opioid conversions. Well, when you put a patient face, a patient situation to that knowledge, I think it grounds people and makes it more, maybe more attainable. Um, so I, I, that's the feedback I've been getting from each and one, each one of my presentations, they really enjoy having that perspective. So that's my 
Um, and then if you are interested in writing a blog, I can't take all the credit for that. I pretty much gave them the information. Um, I tried to write it, but I am no writer. So if you are interested in a blog, just like I told, like Dr. Mary Lynn McPherson, reach out to people who have done it and to guide you. Um, and TLDR definitely guided me and, and they put in the humor. Like we just really had a great, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, symbiotic relationship per se (laughs) of them really guiding me and making that blog. So I can't take all the credit. They, they they're a great team. So definitely check them out as well. Awesome. Well, cool. Rebecca, this has been really interesting. One, just to learn more about something that that is really prevalent in long-term care settings and that hopefully others are picking up and making a difference uh, across the country. And y'all are, are kind of tackling one physician at a time in the exactly. New Mexico area. Um, but, you know, with more pharmacists educated um, and building those relationships. Um, I'm sure it's helpful and, and educational to physicians too, to have, to have that pharmacist do that extra education because the MMEs and conversions and all of that, that it can be confusing. And so they can continue to see what a great resource that, that pharmacists are. Exactly. And I know that we all don't have that kind of time that I had that day, but sometimes I, feel that we all kind of get into that that rut per se of just looking at these as numbers instead of looking at them as people. Um, and so I think having that experience with this gentleman really put a different perspective on my job that we are blessed that we get to touch lives every day and to not forget that. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, Rebecca, as our final question, I'd love I ask all of our guests, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? I knew you were going to ask this, and I really tried to formulate the best response, but I think what I would tell myself or the younger version um, and what I do tell the first-year pharmacy students is that if you're bored in your career, you shouldn't be. There are so many opportunities within a pharmacy career. Um, It's just astounding. And um, I've actually started putting together a presentation about just that, about these different opportunities that pharmacists have. Um, So I think wherever their interests lead, Um, I hope that they will be able to make a career or something out of that. And I know they will be if they never stop asking for help or never stop seeking that opportunity. I had a wonderful friend in um, my my graduating class. She actually made her own residency at Tricor Labs. And now she is the director there. And she's the pharmacist who puts the clinical data together for the antibiograms. And she did that all by herself because she had that passion. And then I look at myself and I'm going in so many different directions with educational presentations, with the pharmacy school and academia and long-term care. And I'm looking at other pharmacists and they have other side um, positions, you know, like yourself, podcasts, 
So there's so many opportunities within the pharmacy world and to not just look at it as black and white anymore, where you have to choose retail or you have to choose hospital. It is so much bigger and so much better than that. Um, And the one last thing I feel um, right now, pharmacies kind of get in a bad rap where it is being pressured by corporations or, you know, treating pharmacists just like another employee and we're looking at numbers Um, But going back to what I previously said is that as a pharmacist, it is a blessing to be able to touch people's lives and affect lives and change. So that is is an amazing reason to get into healthcare and get into the pharmacy practice. But this next generation, they are going to be the ones to influence change and continue to influence change. And that's just going to be amazing to see. So I hope that answers your question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Yes, Rebecca, very inspirational. And and we always love to hear those specific patient cases um, and those great stories. It was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We are going to be relaunching our newsletter. So be sure that you're signed up over at pharmacyadvisory.com. There's a place to sign up for the newsletter and we're going to be sharing some good content there. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Also, be sure to check us out at Talk to Your Pharmacist on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.